Welcome to the Sunrise and Shine podcast. It's been a minute since we uh, did a podcast. <clears throat> uh, a minute in uh, current cultural standings, which means it's been, you know, a month or so. At least. More than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a minute means a month or so, or any uh, indeterminate length of time. But may the 4th be with you. We are recording this um, <clears throat> podcast and doing live stream on Facebook on May the 4th, 2022. And it is May the 4th be with you, Star Wars Day. Have any fun quips of the day for you? Just, nope. Just... I said it once and everybody else was like, eh. Yeah. I uh, saw it all over the internet. Um, lots of memes, lots of posts on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I haven't said it until just now. May the 4th. I said it once. Although we'll say, you know, we listen to Kids Place Live on XM Radio, uh, drive the kids to school when, I, when we drive home, and they played this... Um, dance version of the, um, you know, when the 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 guys are in the the bar, the uh-huh. bar, you know, the, the the band in the bar, right? Yeah, they they play that uh, like on the way to school. We heard it, and on the way back, we heard it, and it's nice. a really that's a nice, fun, nice, it's nice. a fun song, it's a fun song. So anyway, tonight on this this uh, issue of the podcast, and again, we are going live stream on Facebook. We see some of our friends and family. Already joining us live on Facebook for this. Um, in lieu of the typical Wednesday Bible study, which we've actually been on hiatus uh, for a month and a half anyway, um, we start <coughs> we kick back off tonight with a special kind of discussion slash, not really Bible study, but there will be some scripture involved. Um, because today, May the 4th, 2022, is as 24 years ago today that I walked across the stage, the commencement ceremonies at Mid-America Christian University, and received my Bachelor of Arts degree. See, and I thought it was May the 2nd. No, it was May the 4th. I have a, I have the uh, paper that says so. Well, that would be, that would be important. <laughs> I have a college degree. It says so. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, May the 4th, two th- um, 1990. Something. No, Christian was one year old, so it would be 1996. Eight. Eight. Yeah. 1998. Um, so, you know, 24 years ago. Long time ago. Yeah. It's easy to remember because however old he is, it's one year less. Mm-hmm. So he turned 25 um, uh, last month. Uh, and now I am turning 24 in my years of ministry full time as this. So what we'll do is I actually asked for, hey, do you have some questions that you had asked somebody who's been in ministry for two decades? <laughs> the one that stood out to me was, I said, the question I would ask is, are you crazy? Oh, there's that. <laughs> and, and there's, yes. there's, yes, there's yes. that. And yes. See, and that's why Shelly's on here tonight, because she's going to add the, the right yes, answers. That would be yes. Am I crazy? She says yes, which is the correct answer, by the way, um, for that. C, because <clears throat> this bosa is a loco. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I want to do is kind of give kind of like a timeline of the last 24 years, briefly, not in a lot of detail, maybe a few things here and there, and you add in what you want to, and you correct me where I'm wrong, my memory is probably better than yours. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> but uh, then I'll hit Obviously, these... Obviously, as has just been demonstrated. These four or five questions that we're at, like what would you ask someone who's been in church work who's been a pastor for two decades plus um and we'll get into those and talk about our, some personal things but let's begin because you know when we when we walked across the stage uh and got the degree a lot of folks a lot of men and women who were at that point 
kind of had something set, like they had a next step, a next thing uh, in place. And I didn't yet. I had had some some talks with some churches about being uh, on staff and everything. Uh, but what actually happened was we spent a, a little while doing interim pastoring in Oklahoma. We stayed in Oklahoma. I worked full time at a, at a, a store, a retail music store. And I did some interim work in Cushing, Oklahoma, probably probably no more than a month. I know we did three or four weeks there. And then Blackwell, yeah. Oklahoma, which was um, I remember doing it. I don't remember names of uh, towns. I or remember C- Cushing and Blackwell. Those were the two places we did. We did three or four weeks of Cushing, and then we did a, a while at Blackwell, uh, so much so that they actually were like, can you just come be our pastor? <clears throat> and it was like... I. I would have to, you know, work work full time at Walmart and be your pastor. And we prayed about it, and it was not uh, where where God was leading us anyway. So, so anyway, what happened was we had a few different uh, things that we tried and everything, but we ended up being in Tulsa. We went from Oklahoma City to Tulsa, and we went to a little church there called Red Fork Church of God on the west side of Tulsa, <clears throat> and um, ended up living in in Sand Springs, uh, which is right there on the edge of Tulsa, and pastored there for. Six and a half years, I think it was, something, uh, like, something that. like that. Um, that was such a learning experience. Pastor Brent Hinkle was the senior pastor. I was the associate pastor, and really my my uh, my entire everything was was youth ministry. I mean, I was it was it wasn't like an associate pastor with all these little additional roles. It was I was a youth pastor. I was student ministries, and that's pretty much all I did. I would fill the pulpit once in a while whenever Brent would be away or would ask me to. Um, not very often. The guy's a great preacher. Um, but um, through that, probably the main thing I learned that it stuck with me is how to not go back into burnout. Because five years in to that six and a half years I was there, I burned out, uh, flamed out, um, priorities all out of whack. I was, my, my, prior, my priorities at that time, and I've, I've told this many times over in counseling and, and, and uh, mentoring other pastors and in preaching and sermons, that my priorities had gotten to the place where being the youth pastor of this church, this congregation, or this, this group of students was my top priority. My trying to be a decent guy, husband slash dad to a little boy named Christian, um, was second, and my own relationship with God was was below that. Like my own relationship with God was not anywhere near the top priority of my life. And when I burned out, that came you know through uh, just understanding and through th- through counseling um, to understand how that had happened and to backtrack and not let that happen again. And so um, I was a workaholic, still have the tendencies to be, and I had to had to unlearn some behaviors, some things that have been modeled for me. And had to re-establish some boundaries and, and establish for the first time some, some strategy to not burn out again. So um, that was kind of where we were at six and a half years in, and that kind of flamed out. It was a not a not the the best circumstances when I left that church. Um, it wasn't under like the best of everything. Was it was actually kind of rough the way we exited there and spent actually spent um, nine months. In not in limbo, but I worked as a basically a, a full time substitute teacher in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and began to like process where God was do what He was doing and where He was leading us next. And that's when we uh, got a call to actually all of a sudden. This has always happened too. There would be like two or three things that'll come whether we're looking or not looking to make a move. 
there will be how do we know that God is kind of doing something is we'll start getting many times unsolicited we're looking for a pastor or we're looking for somebody to come on staff and your name came up and and in this case my name really wasn't out there I mean well in this case it was out there because I was like okay it's been six months and I'm ready to like make a, make a move and a transition and we ended up in Coral Springs Florida um, with Bob Cohey, Pastor Bob and Cheryl Cohey were the pastors there at the time. And love, love, love them to death. And Cheryl's like my uh, spirit animal, if that's okay to say. Sure. Uh, because it was just a weird uh, connection we had with them. And that, and that and South Florida was beautiful and amazing. And we lived there only like two, two and a half years. I loved it. But it's like yesterday. It was yeah. so ingrained in us, um, the, life, the, the life of living there, which was... It was hectic. It was, you know, it's multi. It's a, a um, <coughs> metro area. Very. So it's, it's, you know, it's like big city, but it's spread out. And so it was. I was. I was much more home than you were, probably in that setting. But it was not where God had us for the long term. Even though, you know, if people would say, "Well, you just, you know." You just do whatever you want to do, and, and I'm like, well, if I just do whatever I want to do, I'd be pastoring a mega church in South Florida because that's exactly what I would want to do if it was just me doing whatever I want to do. Um, but that was, you know, about two and a half years we were there, so not very long, but long enough to build some lifetime relationships and friendships, like with Juan, um, Aaron, and uh, numerous others who were in our either youth ministry, like Christy, um, and and Angelo and Rosemary, um, fantastic people. Um, and I don't want to leave anybody out. I'm naming some names, and I'm probably going to miss a name, but um, you guys are amazing. Laurie Hare, I still hear from her every once in a while. I love, <clears throat> love you guys. Um, but then the, the, it was like this season of God saying in my heart, you, you're you to be moving out of the associate role into the lead role. And it wasn't meaning that that, that church. It was meaning a change. And as I prayed through that, and Pastor Bob, who was the, the, the pastor there, uh, began to pray with me about that and began to like mentor me and actually groom me to take on more of a role of a, of a lead pastor. So instead of just being, not just because that's the wrong way to say it, but instead of only doing my duties as an associate pastor, working with youth ministry and Christian education and community, uh, I forgot what the word was, community involvement, something like that, uh, which I did all the time. He began to give me more time to preach on Sundays, more opportunities to bring the sermon on Sunday. And that was super beneficial. It took me to some counseling sessions where there was nothing confidential <laughs> that would be shared that I couldn't under, that I couldn't hear or be a part of, but some deep conversations that I hadn't had as a youth pastor. Although in youth ministry, you get real ministry. You get real hurt, real pain, real struggles that, that people are going through. Um, and so that was a, a great learning experience for me. But also I had to, I learned to deepen those boundaries of how I had burned out before and because of being a workaholic and just letting the church or the be, being the pastor or the, or the associate pastor, youth pastor, whatever, let that be the top priority of my life. My relationship with God, my own relationship with Jesus was became the top priority and, and it was un, uh, there was like, it's not backing down from that. And second after that was my relationship with my wife and with our son. We only had one at that time. And I was like, Back in the day. I, and I set some pretty clear boundaries for myself and I had to make those known. And a couple of times, a couple of people's feelings got hurt because I didn't 
uh, return their call on a certain day because it was I was off that day and didn't even have my phone on and I returned it the next day. So I you know I didn't like blow them off. I just didn't do my job on my day off, which is what normal people do. We have had to learn something about being in ministry for 24 years, uh, full-time pastoral ministry that is. It's not a normal life. <laughs> there is no such thing as three-day weekends. <clears throat> there is no uh, no really holidays. You get off. Um, there is not the opportunity a lot of time, in a lot of cases, to live in a place where you know grandparents are there as babysitters um, or, or anything like that. And so... That's all been a challenge for us, and then, and in that time, it's like I had learned to, to put some put some boundaries in place like to, for my own mental health and spiritual health, and emotional health, and I think my marriage has has remained strong stronger because of that. Uh, I think I'm a better father because of that, and I know I'm I'm a better I'm a better pastor because I'm not available twenty four seven no matter what. If somebody has an emergency, I can be I can be reached. Trust me. But to say, hey, I was thinking about this Bible verse. We can talk about it tomorrow. Um, that kind of, all that kind of stuff. And then you may or may not like that or agree with that. But guess what? I have to do what I have to do um, for my family and myself and the ministry that God's called me to. So from Florida, we began to really not even really put put it out there that we were looking. <laughs> we kind of like we knew we were because we talked about it, we prayed about it. Pastor Bob was grooming me. But then like three or four churches just started reaching out to us. And we ended up going to Hot Springs, Arkansas, which, get this, Sand Springs, Oklahoma, to Coral, Coral Springs, Springs, Florida, to Hot, to Springs. Hot Springs, Arkansas. We were on and a roll there for I a while. I thought we were going to, like, you know, was it Colorado Springs? or uh, Pal- Some part Pal- of Springs. Palms, we were going to Palm Springs next or somewhere like that. That would be great. But it didn't happen. So we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and for eight and a half years, we were a pastor there at uh, Oakland Church of God. And a great, great congregation of people, loved the people there, made some great friendships, lifelong friendships, got to pastor, got to pastor a couple of guys who were retired pastors who I had no, that blows my mind that, um, and you may, the people listening to our podcast or even on the live stream may or may not know these names or they might, but people like Pastor Linville Arrington, who is, we call Grandpa Quarter lovingly, to, to have him call me pastor for about four years still blows my mind. That that was that's been a part of my journey, our journey. Um, you know, Doyle Whitesell, Doyle and Velva both have mm-hmm. passed on great friends and help in ministry, and there, there are lots of others there, for sure. Um, we had brought some some wonderful people on staff to work with us, and actually got to have um, some staff people who are great uh, at their ministry, like Charles and uh, Rachel. Uh, came on staff and worked with us. We had some 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 misses too with some <laughs> yeah. of the uh, some of the hires that we had to, to work with uh, youth ministry specifically, and uh, and so you know it's that it is what it is. Um, had some had some rough rough patches with some people that we brought on on the team, but um, you know overall it was such a great learning experience moving from an associate pastor role to a lead pastor role especially in that in a in a in this context where the congregation said we need to we need to be revitalized we need to make a turnaround um there were some struggles once we got into that uh, because it the church did look completely different um within about three years <clears throat> than it looked when we got there and it was kind of like 
told them it would. Um, and it really caused some, some, some struggles and some challenges for us. But we persevered and God kept working through there. Still working through the, the ministry there now. One of my, probably my, my, I say my oldest friend because we've been friends since we were five <clears throat> years old. We were next door neighbors. Um, Bill is uh, now pastoring there. And that's amazing. Bill and Cheryl DeYoung are there. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, my old, I he's my oldest friend. He's, he's not my oldest friend, but we've been friends since we were five years old. So, so anyway, there's that. So then, and if you want to jump in there anywhere, go ahead. I'm, I'm trying to get through. This isn't like an hour long podcast. We, so. we acquired two children. While <laughs> yes. We were there. Oh yeah. Hot Springs. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> while we were there for eight and a half years in Hot Springs, Arkansas, we acquired two children. We did acquire them. We yes. Did, we, we, we they were quite them. surprising. We 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 acquired them the biblical way. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jericho and Nile were both born in Hot Springs. Um, and they were, Jericho was a surprise and Nile was a shock yeah. and they still surprise us and shock us on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so big now. So yes. big. Yeah. Big boy. I mean, 10 and 11. It's mm-hmm. been that long ago. Now Jericho's going to be 12. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Less than a month. Like three weeks. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. We got a birthday in about three weeks. We have a 12 year old and then in about a month, a little over a month, two months after that, we'll have another 11 year old. Just crazy. Anyway, life goes on, right? You guys who are parents, you get that. Um, and so we began to really feel it, it was something that was happening in our ministry there that kind of that kind of fed into why we came to Natchitoches, Louisiana, to plant Awaken Church. Um, because over the over the con, context of about three years. Um, God was really moving me to try and lead that congregation into becoming a healthy, not just growing church, but a multiplying church. And to begin to kind of plant some seeds and give a, and, and, and cast a vision for planting churches, like being a church that would plant another church that would be, you know, we would plant, you know, <clears throat> being praying about what would that look like and stuff. And it didn't fly, you know, it didn't, it wasn't part of the DNA. It wasn't part of the culture. It, it could be changed now, but it just, it wasn't happening. But there was something that, that God was doing that I really felt like, you know, not me going to plant a church, but to be a church that has a baby. You know, every healthy church should want to plant another church, um, <clears throat> and, and it's, it's called multiplication. And I, I really felt like that's the direction we should go. And it didn't happen; it wasn't happening. Um, so that was that was on my heart. And then just thing, thing after thing started rolling um, out of nowhere. Call like, hey, we want to we want to talk to you um, about coming to Louisiana and planting a church. I'm like, well, I'm not a church planter, and I'm not looking. I mean. I'm willing to have a conversation. I'm always willing to have a conversation when this things when these things happen. And there's been a bunch of those through the years, different con- congregations. And man, there was there was one in Miami that I was like, I'm going because it's Miami. And Shelly was like, God's not calling. And he wasn't. Um, Hawaii. I'm like, really? No, it wasn't to be. And why not? I want to be that pastor in Hawaii. I'm crying out loud. I love the beach, and I'm not anywhere near a beach. Um, so we. Met with this team about planting a church in Louisiana. Um, the the strategy was a challenge because the strategy would require us to have, as we get ready to build a launch team, folks who are willing to come from their church within an hour. Uh, some could come from further if they wanted to, but that's a that's a big ask. But within an hour to to drive into Natchitoches and 
be a part of the team that would plant this church and come together and do some children's ministry, help lead worship and all this stuff. And those pieces never came together. What we did was we had to just like start meeting people in a community where we knew nobody and just meet people and share a little bit about why we had moved to Natchitoches to plant a new church and then coldly at, you know, kind of like cold call, say, you want to come to our house for desserts and a Bible study. And um, that wasn't happening. It just, it just this, I mean, even pre-COVID when people are being sociable here in the South, that was just like, a, it was a weird ask. And we ended up with some college students who were like, yeah, we, we're interested in this. And, um, and we've made some great friends uh, of this next generation, millennials and Gen Z uh, folks who are legit, solid people. Um, and they started coming, and it was how we started in our living room with four African-American 18-year-old college students, female. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was for the first four months. Every Thursday, we would you know, come into our house and having some food or having having just some some desserts or snacks and then having a Bible, in-depth conversation, Bible study, and dreaming about this new church. I mean, a lot of what Awakened Church has has come has been and it is now was because of those first four months, conversations, prayer time, and Bible study with those four and grew to eight. I think on a, on a regular basis we had more like eight eventually. We had up to we had up twelve and fifteen a few times of all female I know it. all African American all college students, all 18-ish that all that were coming. Good ladies. And I remember like after after like the third third meeting, because I was still inviting like tons of people all the time. I mean, like I would go into town, go to the coffee shop with my laptop and my Bible and try to strike up conversations while I would do study and stuff. And I had a lot of those conversations and issued a lot of invitations, but no one ever came except hey, <laughs> these, man, these ladies. ladies rock. They did, they did rock. And they, they do rock. They still do rock. I still keep up with several of them. Um, but I remember after like the third week praying and going, God, what's going on? I know we said that who you bring is who we'll minister to and who we'll minister with, but... I'm in culture shock all of a sudden here, and God worked it out, and it was, it's been amazing. Um, we made some great friendships uh, because of that. Then we had to move into a season of trying to not meet at our home because we found out that um, where we live is not a, not an area, not like a bad area. It's just out of the way area, and nobody's gonna come here for a Bible study. It's just not happening. Um, and so we had that was through. You, you, you wouldn't know that ahead of time. That was not one of the things you can do study. We did all the studies, all the stats. I did all the, the got the reports on all the population growth and denominational background and breakdown and ethnic uh, uh, things. Every every kind of thing that there is, I had all the reports done. And it doesn't, it's not, you don't understand something like this until you live here. And by the time you buy a house here, it's too late to go, oh, nobody's going to come here for Bible study from, from Natchitoches, um, although we live in Natchitoches. So, yeah, so so we had to, like, get get a, get a spot in town. I was having, I had a great friendship with the, uh, Pastor Doug, who was the pastor of United Methodist Church um, at the time. He's not there now. He's, he's a different church. But 
but he and I had a, started growing a great friendship, and we would have lunch once a week and talk. And he would always—he's very interested in our church plant. We actually were attending there mm-hmm. on Sundays while we were doing our Bible study on Thursdays. We were attending church at First United Methodist because we wanted to go to church on Sunday, and we wanted our kids to be in church, um, in like in church, and not just be like on a Thursday do a Bible study. And that was that was a wonderful season for us. And Pastor Doug was great. And uh, he said, eventually we had this conversation. And he said, why don't you just meet here? We don't have anything on Sunday nights. And we have this area. It's kind of like a little coffee shop area. Um, you could just, you know, you could meet in there and set up the tables and do whatever you want. And we ended up doing that. We ended up having worship. And we ended up having Bible studies. And we ended up having a few people start to come to that. Um, didn't really click like you hoped it would. And you hope, like, okay, we're in town now. All these people who say, this sounds great, but, you know, I don't want to drive 10 miles to go to a Bible study. We're like, okay, we're, we're right in the middle of downtown, but they still didn't come. But we did have a, a little bit of growth, but we had some spiritual growth happening that was amazing. And so we get to lead, and I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time just talking about Awaken Church because I've done that podcast. <laughs> but we grew from that into going to Sunday mornings and the movie theater, which was has been typically really the only affordable place to do a, a, this this kind of thing although mm-hmm. with our size group we could definitely meet in our home it was just be again we're not going to get people to drive out here for church um to, to try and grow the group and so we're trying to stay where we need to be um which is in town and so that's kind of led us to where we are now again we had when March 2020 came and and we had <clears throat> shut down because of COVID. It it hit us hard because we were we were deaf we were sitting right around this table we're at right now, and had a gr- this group of eight to twelve. No leadership people. Yeah, it was it was probably closer to twenty. It was probably fifteen to eighteen people here for that, and were just on fire. It was just <clears throat> like you could feel it. You could. I still remember the feeling like this is happening because everybody around this table is ready for this and then it was like a hammer boom covid hit shut down college students going to going on, home on, and doing online going only. back home and doing online classes and by the time we got three three months in we don't want to do online church because we're burnt out on online classes and you know it was like it was crazy um, but we've come out of that we have a little group of uh, you know family a little family that is really tight-knit and open and trying to really reach out in the community as best we can to do that. So that's been the journey. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, and that's kind of a 26-minute version of the, of the journey, kind of run through it. Just that's, to say where we've been. That's 20, where we've been and where we are. 24 years ago today, I walked across <laughs> the stage at Mid-America Christian University, got my degree and my Bachelor of Arts degree, pastoral ministry, and here's the thing. Somebody said to me, it was either somebody in the in the program or somebody said to me or said to a group of us before we went out there, but said, this is commencement. And commencement is not like, it's not the same as graduation. Commencement means a beginning. Mm-hmm. This is, this is not the end. Your life. This is not the end of your education as much as it's the beginning of everything. And so I've taken that to be to, to like I've been a, a lifelong lifelong learner. I, I consider that like it's not a question of if, but I, but it is. It's part of the being being who I am. And so you know, there's been a lot of courses I've taken, a lot of books I've read um, along the way. Um, when we when we get started, when we knew we were going to plant Awaken, we had 
six months before we even announced it because mm-hmm. we knew we knew what was happening, but it was the timing wasn't right. And so while it was all confirmed and set in stone what was going to happen, I began <laughs> to put myself through a major course in church planting. And let me tell you something. Some of the things I've learned is one, one of the things they teach you in Bible college or in seminary don't really prepare you for the actual work of the of doing the ministry. They don't really let you know that you're going to have to clean the bathrooms, scrub toilets, clean poop, um, and be you know something breaks and you have to answer for it. They're not going <laughs> to. You don't really. You don't really get that until you get in it. They and don't do tell it. you how horrible it is for the church <laughs> when weddings happen. Right. Churches, I don't. Mm. People who host weddings, more power to you because it well, ain't fun. That's why I have such great wedding venues. But you're right; it is tough for a church. It's really hard on the church. Yeah, that's, and you see, don't know. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that, and even me trying to say it is like I hate to say that out loud. But <clears> then, you know, people are like, "Oh no, you don't. You're you're all you don't want to deal with the mess." Well, you just don't know. And that the would drama, be drama. Oh dear. We could do a the whole drama. podcast and let you just talk about that because she dealt with that for for eight and a half years. We <laughs> we it we, I, there was some drama. And yeah. I've got stories, <laughs> lots of stories. We'll we'll save that one because we're already almost thirty minutes, and then we're going to hit these questions. Um, how does someone grow a church? That is the question somebody asked and said, "Hey, after being in, after doing this for twenty four years, how does somebody grow a church?" Um, I'll tell you this: someone doesn't. It takes a, it takes a team. A team. You can't. You have to develop a team of people and you have to have a congregation who's willing to do what must happen and the first thing that must happen is the congregation must submit to the leadership of God and the congregation must be people of prayer and not just say oh yeah we're people of prayer but pray spend time in prayer that's been one of the things that I've learned big time in my own ministry is I have to block out time and pray and not just be like, you know, I pray in the morning, I pray before meals, and that's it. I have to sometimes set aside a whole day. Like, that's all I do as far as my job goes is I pray. Um, that's just that's just part of the reality for that. Um, and how does someone grow a church? That You have to have people that will follow the lead of God, will be people who pray, and people who will invite they have to be if that doesn't active happen, community people, people who talk to people, people who are involved <laughs> in things and, outside of their work and and the church. People who are out doing stuff. Yes. Now, <clears throat> before we slip into this whole thing that's been going around a little bit on t- Christian Twitter about how shaming people for not being extroverts, this is a major introvert saying this, okay? This, this is I'm not, not good at it. I ha- admit it. It's not saying you have to become an extrovert, but it is saying you have to find. You have to be a person that gives an extended invitation, whatever that might look like. And you can't just. I'm, I'm not somebody who is like after 24 years of doing this, going. There's one way to do it, and that's the only way to do it. There's not. Um, but here's ultimately the answer to that. And here's our Bible study moment for this podcast. 31 minutes into the podcast, um, Psalm 127. Verse 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. And so while I have default to being a workaholic, 
this passage of scripture reminds me that we can work and do <clears throat> we can work and do all that we know how and read every book on the subject and work our fingers to the bone and, and pray our knees till they're raw. But unless we let God lead and it's God's direction and God's will, then the work is in vain. So it said wasted here, but the word is it's the workers work in vain. And we don't want to work in vain. We want to work according to what God has for us. And so how does someone grow a church? You have to you have to live out that passage of scripture, Psalm 127, verse one and two. And you have to be you have to be able to have people who are willing to be who are willing to be led and willing to pray for the, for their neighbors and pray for opportunities and then take those opportunities and extend an invitation. That's how you grow a church. It's always been the way church has grown. You can go growth, grow, church growth all the way back into the 50s. How they do it? Personal invitation. They might, they might call it something like personal evangelism or something like that. But it is it is you inviting your friend. It's not a billboard. Billboards work sometimes in some locations for some seasons. It's not a, a website. It's not websites are important. And if you have a church and it doesn't have a good up to date website, then you're you are way behind and you will will be missing pretty much what you everything is out there. It's not social media. If you're not on social media, you need to be because you have to connect. But it it happens in the personal, the personal invitation, whether it's somebody who's you know a family member, a coworker, uh, or if it's somebody who's a stranger. Giving that invitation is how church growth happens. What are the challenges with our own situation? That's it. <laughs> that's the that's it. Um, and so the, the, that's that's kind of the only way I could answer that. And you had a great insight on that too. Thanks for that, babe. Um, how do you keep your personal spiritual growth fresh? Fresh. Um, first thing I do in the morning is I read the Bible. I, I get up and I read the Bible. And I read it on my app on my phone. Um, I was challenged by, I have a pastor friend who I've met through uh, various connections through the years named Dan Kimball. And Dan Kimball tweeted um, a number of years ago, pastors, when you first get up in the morning, do you reach for your Bible or do you check your email? And of course, are you, your phone, you reach for your phone to check your email or do you reach for your Bible? And so I kind of flippantly was like, hey, Dan, what if my Bible's on my phone? And he said, hey, Steve, do you read your email first or your Bible first? And I was like, hmm, that's a good one. He got me because a lot of times I, I didn't. And from that day on, I did. I have. I have. I've, only missed rarely because of like travel or something like that. But every morning I roll out of bed and grab my phone and hit the Bible app, the Uversion Bible app. And I, I'm always doing at least one um, Bible study, you know, plan. They have plans on there. And sometimes I do more than one at a time, but you know, I'm always doing at least one. And so I have it set and it's there. And that keeps me, I'm not reading that to study. I'm not reading that to preach it. I'm not reading that to teach it. I'm reading that with the with the heart. God, speak to me through your word today, and this is your word for me today. And I read it with that heart. And um, that's how it starts. You know, how else would I say I keep my personal spiritual growth fresh is I read. Um, I've been through a season, um, COVID especially, I kind of threw everything off for me, and I just couldn't focus to read. Um, I mean, I can, I can read, but as far as like... <laughs> But I didn't read book because now, you know, I read, I'll read like a book, finish the book, pick up the next book and read the book. And then it was like, I would read a, read a chapter, set it down a month later, pick it up and read a chapter. And that's, that was way out of character, but that was the season we were in. 
and we go through those. But reading definitely helps uh, keep the spiritual growth fresh. Having people, and the next question was who pastors you and what does your support system look like? Also, this is part of keeping your my personal spiritual growth fresh is we have, it's kind of cool, it's my dad too, but in Louisiana, in the uh, Louisiana Congregational Ministries of the Church of God, we have a state pastor, sometimes called state coordinator, but he really is a pastor, and that's my dad. And I get to have my dad as my pastor, um, which is really cool. He pastors a congregation, but he also pastors pastors. Um, and so that that's um, that's awesome. I have a couple of guys who are mentors, and actually not just guys. I say guys. I have you know one uh, female pastor. They're, they're pastors, one female pastor, and a couple of male pastors who are mentors that that I can go to, and I can know I can talk to them confidentially about anything <clears throat> if I need to at any time, and also seek advice um, on things. I have a couple of prayer partners who who. Uh, I will just like send them a send them a thing on Facebook Messenger and say, "Here's what's happening with me, or here's what's happening with our church," and they commit to pray for it. Um, so those are kind of those are the kind of things what my support system looks like. Top top of the support system is this lady sitting right here. Um, she she prays for me. We pray together as a family every night, uh, but I know she prays for me because I feel it. I know she's praying for God to straighten me out. Or to help help me see something, so she doesn't have to tell me because she doesn't want to tell me those kind of things. Sometimes it works. Sometimes I don't know if it does or not. But I do know that um, this woman has got my back. She's beside me every step of the way, and so a support system is is huge to have <coughs> the family be the be a support system. Um, any anything you want to add to that? That kind of kind of combined all that. How do you keep your spiritual growth fresh and who pastors you, support system stuff. Uh-uh. Cool. Um, all right, kind of, kind of a wrap it up with a couple of things here. One is, um, how have you how have you changed by the experience? I don't know how 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 have I how have I changed in twenty four years since I I got the degree. Well, I, you're way more mature now. Oh. It's and it, this recorded for all posterity. She's a tiny bit less optimistic, but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the realist. He's the optimist. The dreamer. Yeah. So I'm a little less. Little. You're. You're like I. I've fed a little bit of realism into your. Just a little. I haven't you have, ruined you completely. Have you got some more optimism? Nah, I don't think so. That would have to be, you would have to tell me that. Uh, I think, probably not, I, I don't think, know. I think you have a little more than a little, you have. A little more than I used yeah, to? Yeah, I think so. A little bit. Maybe a smidge. <laughs> a smidge. Yes. Tiny bit. Yeah. What else? That this is good. Um, I don't know. You're still around. You still got the hair. You still got, you're not quite the same hair, but pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's one one thing, um, and this is kind of maybe off topic, but you mentioned it. Um, every once in a while now, because I'm I'm 53, and my hair is I've got some gray in my hair, and it's a lot more than like you know, when I was 50, a lot more than I was 40. And somebody will make a crack like, "Oh, you gotta like color your hair and stuff because of the gray." I'm like, I've same been, hairstyle. I've been doing this for years. 30 years. Yeah. What are you talking about? It's Nothing just... new about that hairstyle. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Um, so yeah, how you changed by the experience? You had you had a great. I like that you said I was more mature. That was that was nice. You well, I mean, when we first started this whole journey, you were like silly. And I'm not silly now. Oh, you're still Woo! silly, but you're not 
as silly in certain ways. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't have to beat you upside the head with stuff much anymore. <laughs> Thankfully, I learned my lesson. It didn't affect me much, uh, much, much, much. Um, <laughs> so, um, that was from the, my spouse's point of view, which is great to hear. Um, I, I, feel, I feel like I've matured a lot, but to hear it from you, because you know me better than anybody on this planet, um, that's, that kind of confirms it, that I'm not just like saying, because I'm not. You have affirmation. Yes. How about that? Yes. But, you know, absolutely. That's good. Um, I think I definitely, definitely learn to sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes think before I speak. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I used to not have any kind of edit button, and I learned she was my edit button, and it was like, I can't just be your edit button. You have to learn. Exercise your edit button. Right. And I was like, well, I don't have one, so I don't need to. But but you Find do have it. one. Yeah, but you do have <laughs> one. You do have it's one. It's buried in there somewhere. And, and so I have learned to <clears throat> choose words carefully, not just not to be political, but to care about other people's feelings and that kind of thing. Um and some things don't have to be said. Some things don't have to be said the way you say them. Um, some things don't have to be said at all. Exactly. They really exactly. don't. And these are things that we've learned. And it's been through the experience of being a pastor. But also just some of it comes with age. I think as you get older, and I've said this a lot of times. I said this when I was way younger. That as you get older, you learn it. There's there's some things that really, really matter. And there's something, a lot of things that you can just, just let slide. A lot of things just, just don't. A lot of things just don't matter. And learning that, not just saying that, because I was probably my 30s the first time I, I said that. I actually said in a sermon. And now at 53, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> That's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what are you doing for fun these days? Um, what I'm doing for fun these days is. I love being a daddy, and so the stuff I do with the kids is fun. Um, I work out, and that's probably the like my one, one thing that's like my thing, my go-to. My try not to interrupt me, please. And I do it at a time when that's that's very, you know, very easy to not be interrupted anyway. Um, but I, I work out and do physical fitness, and along with that, I have a love for. Um, pop music from the 80s especially and and 90s and uh, it would be called alternative music technically from from that era and i would use that as my workout music and so i listen to 80s and 90s usually uh fun music and i have fun with that and i work out um i play two video games two whole ones yes i play the sims and because it's fun to like create people and meet people and that kind of stuff and I'm you know I kind of got hooked on that Re- I played it a long time ago kind of came back played a little bit didn't play it played a little bit but over the pandemic because I'm such a social butterfly and extrovert that we didn't, you didn't go anywhere because it was a shutdown and so I went everywhere <laughs> I went on the sims and online and online sims and went everywhere so I play that as a video game that's what I do for fun and I play the wrestling I love professional wrestling um and then so we watch wrestling i watch it with my a couple of my boys um i play this one wrestling game and so that's what i do for fun i work out i play a couple of video games 
Um, <clears throat> what what else is there? I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much that's it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's it. What about you? You have any? Vital... I read and play Animal Crossing and keep up with you. <laughs> that's what. That's really the. That's really the most fun. It is me. so much fun. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. We have. 24 years since walking across that stage at Mid-America Christian University in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and getting that degree in pastoral ministry and Bible, and then spending 24 years really getting educated and putting education into youth, into use, and um, here we are 24 years later, um, much more mature, according to my wife. And uh, he's never gonna let that one go. And oh he's no, he's gonna be so happy. Oh, about I'm it playing. Forever. I'm play, I'm gonna mark that that on this this podcast. I'm gonna mark that in the and like just like say here's the here's the write time, it down on the calendar. Here's the timestamp. 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 Right there. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> all right. So thanks for joining us, guys. This has been a little bit long for a podcast, and uh, we have quite a few folks that joined us on the live stream. Appreciate the love, uh, and we will come back next week we'll do a bible study or we'll have another conversation about something, something that is you know relevant in some way to who we are and what we're doing all right god bless something